Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written and the writing process. Today's guest is a writer at the Step Back, Behind the Bucks, and he does his own podcast. You might have heard of it. It's called Time Out with Ty. It's Ty Windish. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Josh? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, I don't think I've been my interest level in the finals has never been this low before. Like I was thinking about this before the series and I don't think it's ever been this low even cause even last year when we knew that the Warriors were probably going to blow through the Cavs, at least LeBron had like Kyrie Irving beside him still and Kevin Love and they were healthy and you know, they, they did steal a game, but this time it was like, Oh yeah, he's going in with Jordan Clarkson and, <laughs> Yeah, um, the casting, yeah, yeah. You know, it, not, not great. Yeah, not great. Um, but quickly, just before we got, we we're getting into this. Um, it's been a, it's been a while since uh, I've had you on a podcast and you've had me on a podcast kind of thing. I think the last time we talked was on your podcast. I think before the season, and uh, we were talking about like what we thought the Bucks were going to do and what the Raptors were going to do. Um, oh wow! Which I bet uh, we were both wrong a lot. Oh oh, we were super wrong. Because um, <laughs> I I remember struggling to be like I think the Bucks are going to probably be better than the Raptors this year by like a fairly significant margin, and we were talking about Giannis's MVP chances, and uh, um yeah, a lot of crazy stuff happened. Uh, yeah. But I remember on that specific podcast, you asked me about um, rap music. Okay. And I wanted to give you an update on that. Because oh, so I'm the, excited for this. <laughs> yeah, at the time I had mentioned how uh, I don't really listen to that much rap. Um, I I know some songs, but only because they're like so big in the zeitgeist that I've just heard them. Um, but I want you to know that I I still don't know that much about rap. But the Black Panther album, I've been bumping that man. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a really good one. That's uh, Kendrick really. Kendrick did a lot of really fun things on that album, and I enjoy pretty much all the songs equally. I would say. It's like it's hard to pick any. I think King's Dead is probably my favorite, but it's that's all around. It's just a terrific effort from from everyone who who worked on it. That's a great. That's a really good. Like I'm not that into rap. Let me kind of see a lot of different things in one album album to go with because obviously it's more of a collaboration. So yeah, you uh, you did well with that. It's a it's good timing for you to to jump into the genre. I think. Yeah, I think so, and and I really it helped that I really enjoyed the movie and like would hear those songs in the background or in the credits and stuff. Yes, it was yeah, it was great. So now I'm just like I'm just listening to it whenever I'm driving somewhere, I'm I'm walking somewhere, I'll just have it on, and it's uh it's been good. I I feel like I'm I'm easing my way in. Um, wh- what do you think about the Drake Pusha T thing? What's going on there? I know I'm supposed to have an Ooh. opinion because Drake's t- technically a Toronto Raptor, but I <laughs> I don't really know how to feel about it. Yeah, um, so basically, do, do you want a quick recap for anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know about it, or should I just go right into it? Yes, no, give us a recap. So, basically, Pusha T has been sending shots quietly at Drake and, and Lil Wayne and Birdman, the, 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 the components that were once young money and not, that really fell apart, because Birdman took a bunch of money from Lil Wayne and Drake, which is something Pusha references pretty often, Um and they were always throwing shots, and then Pusha T dropped an album, I want to say it was about a week ago now, called Daytona, and it was a very typical Pusha T album, meaning it's all about like selling drugs, and it's it's really fun to listen to, and his bars are always very acidic and enjoyable if you're into that sort of thing. But the, the last track on there takes a lot of shots at Drake. 
Uh, and so Drake, the same day the album was released, so literally the release day, drops Duppy Freestyle, which basically comes at Pusha T and name drops his fiance and basically implies that he's not as as street as Pusha T would want people to think and this and that and it's very a very much a Drake song. And then everyone, you know, proclaimed Drake the winner. He's you know, he's two and oh in beef. He got Meek Mill, now he's got Pusha, like he's just untouchable. And then a couple days later, Pusha releases um the story of Adidon, which is just a merciless track. Uh, insults Drake's longtime producer, 40, who has MS, multiple sclerosis, a really dark insult there, makes fun of Drake's dad, um, just really personal bars, and also breaks the story that Drake has a, a, a kid in, somewhere in like France or something with uh, an adult film actress, and Drake has not refuted any of this. Uh, and, and the album art for that, that art is a word is is drake and blackface and that also is real it's pusha t is not making this up there's been a lot of memes about how like pusha t could solve what's going on with the sixers and brian colangelo in about five seconds based on the information he was able to find about drake um so there's a a lot going on it's not uh, drake lost at this point no we still haven't heard from him it's been it's been a while now in terms of like how quickly everything else happened in this beef uh, he would need just something incredible, and, and really, he has no reason to respond again. Like Scorpion, his album this month is still going to sell like 500 million copies. Pusha T's did like 75,000. Like it's just they're not equivalent. Like Drake can only really lose this. That's why a lot of people were surprised he said anything at all. But uh, I, I think it was a case of like when Pusha T dropped his his uh, album, he was really hoping Drake would say something because. There's no way he found out all of that stuff within the couple days it took. Like, Pusha T had the the return fire pretty much ready, I think, and and yeah, it was uh, it wasn't great for Drake. And listen, I still listen to Drake's music. He took an L. I still listen to Pusha T's music when he was taking the L. Like, it's not really that serious anymore, luckily. But it it is uh, it is fun to to put a little sport into the rap game. Yeah, all I really care about is if that that kid that he has is in France or whatever. I, I just really want that kid to be a Raptors fan. Like, really bad. I mean, I don't know. He might kind of rebel against Drake. It's, this is not a good look for Drake as a father. Uh, it's true. I have no idea what's going on. I feel so bad for that kid now. I I want him to just, like, love the Raptors. You know what? You're probably right. He probably hates the Raptors because Drake's there all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is the worst. He's going to be the biggest LeBron fan. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, he's probably just watching LeBron just destroy Toronto and just loving it. And he's probably walking like, around with a LeBronto shirt. Yeah, that kid's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Viva LeBron. Yeah. Oh, man. He's probably more of a, a Celtics. Well, he might be more of a Celtics fan. I feel like we kind of just, like, concede to the Cavs every year. It's more like the Celtics all season long. It was, like, Raptors fans talking trash to Celtics fans. Just because they had that number one seed for so long, and we were just like, give it to us. Stop coming back from being down 20 every night. Right. No, that was uh, that was an entertaining little subplot to the regular season that didn't end up really mattering. Well, I shouldn't say that. The, the Celtics almost knocked off Cleveland, but every time I, I hear about, you know, there's like the rivalries in the East, I, I always think back to the uh, an earlier Game of Zones, the Bleacher Report animated oh, Game yeah. of Thrones slash NBA crossover thing where it's like the feast of the east it's like the red wedding with all the eastern conference teams and like they a bunch of them say that they're gonna this is the year they dethrone lebron and lebron's like didn't we do this last year and it goes to the year before and so on and so on for like the last seven conference finals or whatever and that's that's all i think of every time it's like there's like little rivalries but at the end of the day it's like it's lebron and then the rest of you guys can fight for second place yeah 
that's that's really the way it is. Um, that uh, that's a good segue into the actual team that very likely will unthrone LeBron, if you want to call it that, unseat him as uh, well, not as the best player, but you know they're gonna they're gonna defend the championship, I guess. So whatever, I guess they're just in the larger scheme of things, they're the the champions, and you know he's the king trying to take his throne back, I guess. Um, yeah, so you wrote an article on the step back called uh, Steph Curry's on his way to finally being Finals MVP. And, uh, yeah, you can go and read that on the step back uh, at any time, so right now. Um, I'm looking at it right at the moment. And uh, it's good. It's talking about, um, you know, Steph Curry is going to have the chance to actually win Finals MVP this year. Um, I mean, he's had the chance every time he's been in the Finals, but he's never... He's never had it. Um, obviously, in 2015, uh, Andre Iguodala won, um, mostly because he defended LeBron James. And I and I have beef with that, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And then 2016, obviously, the famous 3-1 comeback by the Cavs. 2017, Kevin Durant played amazing, um, looked like the best player on the floor, was the best player on the floor at times. <clears throat> and uh, he won Finals MVP. And now uh, this season, it does finally look like um, Steph will win it because he's been the best... Uh, player for the Warriors through the first two games, and uh, yeah, so uh, just quick on that 2015 thing, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but so yeah, like I said, Andre Iguodala won the Finals MVP in 2015, uh, I'm a strong believer that LeBron should have won Finals MVP that year. Um, oh, okay, I thought you were going to say Steph should have won it. No, uh, nope, I actually believe, and I understand that actually, this is like, I think, in, in my knowledge, this is the first time we've been in the finals where Steph has not had like some kind of significant injury just like nagging at him the whole time uh he was out for part of the playoffs yeah yeah that's yeah that's true he, he had the excuse ready in case he didn't play well the Warriors yeah fans were yeah prepared to remind you of that fact if uh if Steph was struggling <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I I don't want to derail your thought completely but I am it's like everyone's banged up in the finals LeBron it's LeBron true. has one of his eyes doesn't work right like it's true it's just just life but uh, sorry go on yeah, no, that's true. It's like, it's like you're either you're either at the best you've ever been, or you're injured. That's like the way things work now. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it can go. It can literally switch in the middle of the game. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's just like I know. I know Steph was out for like the large part. He was out for the first round, and then uh, well into the second. I just thought that you know once he came back, they were holding him out so long that it was because they wanted to be a hundred percent sure he was healthy coming back, and he's looked good since. Um, you know, just getting back into the game, he was a little shaky maybe earlier, but he's been great in the finals. So, yeah, in 2015, I I know, except for Jerry West, uh, the losing team almost never will never have the finals MVP. And I understand why, and that's a good a good thing for the most part. I think it makes sense. Um, but in 2015, uh, look, none of the Warriors really played uh, that great. I, I mean, like, Steph was good. He wasn't, but look, he wasn't better than LeBron. LeBron was the best player in that series. Andre Godala guarded him. Um, he did a good job. LeBron still averaged, like, I don't know, 35 or something, because he was doing everything, because he didn't have Kyrie. He didn't have Love. Um, he was, you know, chucking passes to uh, Matthew Dellavedova and hoping to God he could hit a three. Um, you know, a player that at least he's done better than, uh, like, Clarkson has in this series. But, um, you know, he basically had uh, he had an injured roster around him, um, and he still pulled out two wins, and they were up 2-1 at one point. Um, there's that famous shot of him now where he, like, threw the ball down. I can't remember which game that was. 
that he won. Or it was after the second time they won, I think. And he throws the ball down and has that like primal scream. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, oh my God, he, there's a chance he actually could win this series. And if he wins this series, I don't even, I'm not sure what to think. Um, <laughs> and the, the Warriors, this is before they won a title. They kind of had the deer in the headlights look a bit. Um, they'd never actually done it yet before LeBron had done it um, in Miami. So, you know, and I think LeBron was the best player in that series by, a, a f like, a significant margin. I thought he did the most, like he always does. And, uh, you know, I, I it just felt like giving it to Iguodala, who did, you know, he had a good defensive series, but it, he just seemed like it was almost like a consolation prize. Like, you had to guard LeBron. We're sorry. Here's the finals MVP, you know? Yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I think I like LeBron's case better in 2015 than I do in 2018. If if this is a five or six or a four or five game series, mm -hmm. just because like I, it's I think you can argue that the they're it's almost like similarly bad teams. I think this one even without Kyrie is probably better than that one without Kyrie and just because Kevin Love is is here now. Although Kevin Love is definitely hurt and can't really use his left hand. Uh, that's what I talked a lot with uh, Carter Rodriguez about on my last podcast, but um, just a quiet little plug there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been mad if I can't remember exactly how I felt about it. It wouldn't surprise me if I was all about LeBron getting it in 2015. Um, obviously he did get it in 2016, uh, 2017 being Kevin Durant. And then, yeah, this, this year, I don't know. It's, I, I can see the case for either. I mean, I think he shot like just under 40% from the field in that series, and that's not all on Iguodala. Like, the Warriors obviously helped off pretty much everybody except for Delhi when he went just insane for those couple games. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, it's, Finals MVP is such a weird award for me, and really the only reason I wrote about it is because I'm of the mind that, like, Steph Curry is still somehow underrated by a whole lot of people. And there's like this weird talking point. Like I, I've, it's not just on NBA Twitter, which can be just a stupid echo chamber, but like on like some of the the t NBA TV shows. Like, does it matter for his legacy and this and that? And it's like, you know what? Let's let's get him one so we don't have to worry about hearing this anymore. Because this is a very dumb thing to talk about. And and then after he was so good in Game One, I was just like, it feels like he kind of wants to go get it and also shut these people up. And then I wrote the piece before Game Two, and then Game Two absolutely confirmed that. Like, yeah, it seems like he is sick of this chatter yeah it's kind of like the it's similar to the um chris paul's not a winner narrative i think like it's just it's something that's just clearly not true if you watch yeah. the games and everything but like there's a huge section of people that will just point to well he hasn't done x so he's not this and you know that's just forgetting a lot of context and pushing aside nuance um and yeah steph hasn't won a finals mvp uh, he hasn't necessarily been the best player in the finals in those series, but guess what? He's still the greatest shooter of all time. Um, yeah, he still has two unanimous MVPs, and like I think it's it's really a, a shame that the year that the Warriors blew it was the 2016 finals. Uh, not because I'm I'm a big proponent of the Warriors winning all the time, but just I feel like that kind of sullied Steph's season and their 73 mm -hmm. win season. The fact that they didn't close it, yep. and I mean. If you go look back at watch him play that year and just look at the um, just the numbers from that season, I mean, what he did was so incredible, and I'm pretty sure that's the year they played OKC in the regular season. Yeah, and he hits the most insane buzzer beater from 
30 however many feet, probably damn near 40 feet from the logo. And it, it wasn't like they ran out of time and he had to shoot that. Like, that was the shot he wanted. And I, I was watching that game live, and I just remember being like, I, I don't see how anyone stops this guy this season. And, and obviously LeBron figured out a way to, so all credit to him. But it is uh, – it's just a shame that 2016 had to be the year. Like if if LeBron had won 2015, then the Warriors won't capped off the 73 win season. I think that's that's more that's a better narrative, and also maybe then KD doesn't go there, which would be fun for everyone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I remember watching that MVP season and just thinking like it was like the first time I remember watching an MVP season for any player and just thinking like this guy came out of nowhere and suddenly he's unstoppable. Um, that's not true, obviously, but, like, that's the way it felt. Um, it felt like he just suddenly had, like, was just suddenly the greatest offensive player in the league, like, out of nowhere, and just, he could hit anything, and at any point in time, he'd be shooting it from, like, beyond half court, and just making it, um, you had to guard him all 94 feet, um, it was crazy, and, like, every single night, everybody knew it, that, how great of a shooter he was, and every single night, it didn't matter, and he was putting guys on skates, I remember, um, there's that that same season. There's a game where they played against the Spurs, and like he shakes off Kawhi Leonard on the strong side at one point, and uh, just drills a three, basically in his face. And I I couldn't believe it because you know Kawhi is such a fantastic defender, um, and it was just it was just insane. I remember watching that and being like, it was a different feeling than um, past like MVP seasons. Like even LeBron's apex, it was sort of like. Watching LeBron was like you just watched a like a one man wrecking crew kind of thing where he just did everything I and mean, he still does but he just he just like had his hand in a little bit of everything whereas for Steph it was like it's always about the shooting about the shots and yeah um, but like taken to a massive extreme where it's not like he's just shooting like really well it's like he's shooting well but he's shooting from like half court um, yeah that that season I just pulled up the numbers to confirm it led the league with thirty point one points per game. Shot 50% from the field, 45% from three, 56% from two. Uh, I believe those are all Ooh. career highs. Oh, just just 0.01% below a career high for three-point percentage. The other two are career highs for him. 5.4 rebounds per game, career high. 6.7 assists per game. 2.1 steals per game, career high, and led the NBA. Just 3.3 turnovers, 2.0 fouls. Like, he led the NBA in free throw shooting, which is fun. Points and steals. Like, that's Jordan-esque to lead the league in steals and points. Like, it's just ridiculous. And he's not a, the defender Michael Jordan was. But, I mean, that's, Steph's underrated defensively. Mm-hmm. But it's just like people – like, I, I truly believe. Like, he, I don't think he's incapable of doing that anymore. Like, I just think for the good of the Warriors and because they have KD now, it's everything's just different. But I, I, I'm just like I, – he still has that in him. Like, if he had to do that – and we've seen it in very brief spurts – and I would like to see it more, but it's just like, man, like, don't sleep on this guy. So that's I was like, I got to write about Steph. It's been a little while. I like writing about Steph. It's difficult to write about the Warriors, but I think it's it's worthwhile because this guy is just really freaking good, man. Yeah, like, it's funny, too. Like, we talk about Steph as the greatest shooter of all time, and he is. Um, and there's other things about his game that get, like, left out. Like, he's, uh, I mean, it's really hard to argue about Kyrie not being at the top but like in terms of finishers in the NBA he's like 1B to Kyrie's 1A uh he does it in a totally different way than Kyrie does but he's so good around the basket like he's so underrated um 
just going to the hoop like he has a whole bunch of moves and there's so many that are like just insanely difficult shots like he's the best guy in the league i've seen at like consistently finishing high off the glass um where he's throwing it way up so that just like no shot blockers have any chance um stuff like that like that no one talks about and, and his dribbling he's also like you know um he's got that famous warm-up routine but his dribbling is also um, like top of the line, like it's not just his shooting. Like this guy's a great player. Um, the only thing that um, people tend to have gripes with about him is, uh, other than his defense, which yeah is over overstated. Like his def- he's a he's a fine defender. Um, he's not great, but he's fine, and he's uh, more than serviceable for the Warriors. Um, his uh, his passing is the thing that's always confused me a little bit, because um, it's not like he's a bad passer. I just think at times he's. Um, I don't know, like a little showboaty. He's so careless. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh it, my god. Like that the, famous behind the back pass in the twenty sixteen. Yeah, finals. I know exactly which one you mean, but that's it's so funny because there's, there's like a thousand behind the back passes that have probably made Steve Claire, Steve Kerr either break or want to break a clipboard. It it's like that's like part of the thing about this Warriors team is like you just have to accept that about them. I think like it's, mm-hmm. it's if if you're Kerr or if you're a fan like. No team is perfect. This team is probably closer than than any team ever has been. But like that, there's little things like that, and like that little bit of like whimsy, you could say. I think it's kind of what keeps them fresh and loose. And it's like I think it's essential to who they are. Like they need Steph to be that guy. They need Clay to be kind of goofy. I guess they need KD to be a complete cornball because that's what he is. And they <laughs> certainly need Draymond to be that fired up and 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 excitable all the time. And I just think like trying to mess with that formula isn't a good idea so even if it is just super frustrating like that that just comes with like the guy who has the swagger to take the 35 foot shot like that pass is part of that guy's game mm-hmm. and i think i think and i haven't read anything about this specifically so i, I would I'm, i could be very wa- wrong i'd be glad to be corrected but i would assume it's like one of those where I, like there's been so much written about you know how kerr you know, Draymond and Kerr used to like hate each other and scream at each other, or not hate each other, but scream at each other and whatever. But Kerr always realized, like, I can't change who this guy is. It won't be good for my team. Like, we have to roll with it. Like, he probably cost them the 2016 finals. And the, all the Warriors were like, listen, we're not there without him. We don't win 73 games without him. We have to take this. Like, there's other things we could have done better, whatever. And they really just moved on, which to me, like, that entire thing is incredible. Like, the way that happened, like, That'd be like if next year the 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 Cavaliers somehow got way better and like Jr. was still an integral part and everyone was like that's just Jr. Like we just have to accept it. Like he completely blew game one, but that's who Jr. is. And I think like that that sort of same deal is like the Steph thing. Like those passes can be so frustrating, but like if if he's not comfortable enough to take those, like is he comfortable enough to take those crazy threes that go in all the time? Is he the same player? Can he suck the energy out of of uh, 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 an opposing or a crowd like no one else? I don't think so. Like, I think all that stuff is tied up together in the player that he is. Yeah, supreme confidence. Got to have it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so speaking of game one, like, game two wasn't that, to me anyway, it wasn't that interesting. The Cavs, like, kept it close enough the whole way, but, like, I don't think they ever led, and it was never, um, it just never got that interesting. Um, uh, LeBron was kind of unlebron like despite his, you know, 29 and, uh, like nine and thirteen or whatever. Um, I'm I'm wondering about that eye if it's actually affecting him. Uh, or you know maybe he's just like I, d- I don't believe that in the finals LeBron would just be like oh my team is not gonna get this done I'm just gonna kind of like give up. Um, like some people do but I think it's maybe 
maybe some other things. Maybe he's just exhausted. Like, uh, he played pretty much the whole game um, until it was sure that they weren't going to win. But uh, game two really was kind of put away once uh, there was a curry flurry late in the game. And uh, he went off and, you know, he punctuated by that crazy um, loses the ball, turns around, chucks it up over Kevin Love, who contested the shot really well, and just bombs it in. And, uh, you know, and then there was that incident he had with Kendrick Perkins, which he said kind of refocused him. And I was, it's probably the worst thing uh, Perkins has done for the Cavs uh, to this point, um, was talk trash to, you know, Steph Curry. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. So there, that, that game didn't, there wasn't too much for me to, to say in that game. But uh, was there anything you wanted to say about it before we, like, go into game one? I mean, to, to, uh, I'm trying to think. It'll probably be better if I just wait until we talk about game one to make a certain point I was thinking about game two. Uh, actually, it, it, it'll be fine now, I think. Like, game two is just, it felt like there was an, almost no scenario where the Warriors lose or almost lose two games at home. And I think, like, just even coming, so even having to go to overtime in game one kind of made it so they were like, all right, we need to, I mean, Steph especially was the one who just went out and dominated and said, all right, let's, let's take care of this one easy. Like, we can't drop one here. And I just think, like, game two almost doesn't matter like, the game one result, to me, was so much more important than what happened in game two. The LeBron thing in game two, I will say quickly, because uh, you mentioned it. I don't, I mean, saying LeBron ever gave up at all is ridiculous. Um, and I'm not saying you did, but just, like, that that concept is, is just, have you heard of this LeBron guy, if you think he just gave up? <laughs> I, I truly think, like, game one, he was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep scoring. No one can guard me. We'll see what happens. He gets 51 points, eight and eight, I think. But it didn't work, and I wonder if game two he was like that was exhausting. Maybe I can save a little bit of energy, and maybe we'll be better off in the long run if I can get some teammates going and just pass the ball. And he had like I think twenty plus potential assists, and he ended up with twelve or thirteen. Like I just think it was a different philosophy by him, and unfortunately for the Cavs, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Plus, I will say quickly, like the Warriors, like it's not like the Warriors are doing nothing in this series. Like they did, they did shift their defense a little bit, like to load up a bit more on LeBron. And, yeah. and force him to pass to those guys because, like, that's what every team should have been doing in the playoffs. Um, and uh, it just, you know, none of his teammates are coming through, so there's that. And yet he did still manage to get, you know, double-digit assists, which to me is kind of insane when you watch those games back. Um, but, yeah, so game one um, is the by far the more interesting game and the game everyone will look to, especially if the Cavs get swept. Um, affectionately known as the JR game, um, probably forever. And, oh yeah oh unless he does some unless they end up winning and he does something wild in like game seven that's 15 threes or something yeah that's the jr game yeah which you know is definitely not happening <laughs> i'm hitting 15 threes <laughs> like, that'd be the greatest thing ever but oh man like i i remember i was listening to i think it was a low post and brian windhorse was on and he, yeah. and he was just talking about how like it's not just the playoffs like all season long the Cavs have been frustrated with jr's play um because he just hasn't been the jr of seasons past and, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just, he just hasn't been good. Like the only series he was good in was, uh, <clears throat> against the <clears throat> Toronto Raptors. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, God, I, I can't even, he, I swear to, like, I swear he could play defense in that series. I swear. And he, this, and now it's like, I don't know. He's like a pylon. Um, but yeah, like, so before the infamous JR moment, now infamous, um, LeBron, that, the end of that game was amazing because, LeBron was going down every time and, you know, they were forcing the Curry switch onto him. And then he would just, you know, figure out exactly what he wanted to do and attack. Um, 
And then in game two, or sorry, and then uh, on the other side of things, um, Curry was doing the same, but they were forcing switches onto Kevin Love. And he was going at him, and they they were getting whatever they wanted. And, you know, Curry was hitting a three, or he was getting an and one, and LeBron was at the other end getting a dunk or um, driving or slipping right by somebody. And it was awesome. Like, they were just going back and forth, like two superstars. And um, it looked like LeBron might be the one who uh, gets the better end of it. That That one shot where he looked like he was kind of going for a dunk, and then he was hanging in the air. Who was it that was uh, guarding him? Was it Looney? It might have been Looney. Um, somebody was all over him and he was like going up and like, it was super contested and he just kind of like double clutched and put it in anyway and got the answer. Was that when like they were pulling, they were pulling back his shoulders, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. And he, he went through it. I, oh my goodness. I don't remember. I don't, I, I didn't think it was Looney. Um, I'd, I'd have to look back at it now. It, it could have been Looney. There was two defenders there, but that, that finish was, that's when I was like, all right, they won. And I was, I, I thought they would win that game and I was like, all right, they did it. They actually, they pulled it off, and uh, I spoke too soon. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like, every close game, I mean, and this was the thing. Like, this is, there was a big sample size of this. Like, the Cavs, yeah, they're bad uh, defensively, and they were bad defensively all year, and even after the trade and all that, they weren't great. But um, they, in in the last two minutes, if the game is close, they just, like, turn into this other team where LeBron's like, okay, we're close, there's a chance to win, it's go time, and he knows that he can win it. And if he's scoring... Um, then the rest of the team just suddenly seems to be like, okay, we have this chance, and they, they pick it up defensively, and that's how they pull out games. And it was like that through the playoffs, too. So at any, at any point when there's a close game and the time's ticking away, I, I had gotten conditioned to believing that the Cavs would win. And clearly LeBron thought he was going to win because he was scoring every trip down. He knew the score was close. Um, and, uh, you know, I really think they, they would have won that game. Um if not for the uh, JR blunder and, you know, and maybe, maybe if George Hill had hit his free throw too, but I'm less concerned about that. Like missing free throws happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's exactly how, that's the way I look at it too. I mean, it's like, that's not any, I, I saw someone compare that to what Nick Anderson did with the magic. And it's like, oh. no, like Nick Anderson missed like four consecutive free throws as like an 80% free throw shooter. Yeah. Like the, the most, the most likely outcome I'm, I'm almost positive, And I'd, I'd love to have, again, someone please check me on this if I'm wrong, but just from watching a lot of games and, and just thinking about the math, like I feel like the most likely outcome for almost any free throw shooter to go to the line is to make one of two. Like, I just feel like that's the most common scenario. Like, it would be great if he made both. But then, even if he makes both, like, George Hill could have been the villain either way because I think the Warriors had a timeout. There's mm-hmm. about less than five seconds on the clock. Like, you you want to try to guard Steph and Clay and, and Durant on, a, on an inbounds play with five seconds left, and you know Curry's probably getting the ball. It's just like, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's, it's no sure thing. Like, it would have been a worse situation for the Warriors. But... I don't know. Like they, they certainly would have had a shot to win it. It's just Jr. just not knowing the score, the situation. It's just and Ty Lue not calling timeout, and which we all saw the video the next couple day, next day or next day or two, where LeBron asked Ty Lue if they had a timeout, and Ty Lue's like, yeah, and he just just deflates. You can see him deflate, and like once you saw that video, you understand why the Warriors just took him to task in overtime. Yeah, I. It's crazy that. To me, it's crazy that um, I understand where people are coming from, I guess, when they say this, but like there were people criticizing LeBron for his leadership in that moment. Um, I 
Like, I, I can't blame this guy at all. Like, look, this guy's out here scoring, like, 50 points and doing everything he possibly can, playing, like, every single minute of the game and dragging this team along. And, you know, this is something that the coaching staff should have known or should have um, acted upon or, and should have told the players about beforehand that they had a timeout, um, stuff like this. So, like, I can't, like, I can't blame LeBron for, like, having that reaction in the moment at all. Um, I know there's some people that just like, they've been criticizing him for like, you know, he, I know that that's tough, but you can't do that in the moment. Cause it's, it's not a good show of leadership. And then they got slaughtered in the overtime because of that kind of thing. And, and I'm not even sure that's why they got beaten in the overtime. Um, I'm sure it was like a, a factor. Like I think of everything else, like not just the timeout, but everything. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I think that's a little bit of a silly thing to criticize LeBron about. And he even talked about it today at the media availability and kind of just like made a joke about it. Um, but you know, he had the, and he also had the follow up comment about like, I pretty much that I've got my team to the finals. Like, like, you know, I've been doing everything. What else do you want me to do? Yeah. Um, which and, I think that that's probably being a little misinterpreted. I, I don't think yeah. that's exactly the context he meant it, but yeah, I agree. I it, agree. It's an, it's an apt quote either way. I think. Yeah. I like, I don't think like, it's funny as people are taking it as like, I'm, I dragged my team here. I'm doing everything what do you want? Which is not exactly what he said. Um, but I do think like, you know, he's being a little more frank now, I think because he is frustrated, I think it's coming out a little bit. Um, but he's not directly saying that. Like he, he is still like that guy who's like, I know I need my team. I know I need my guys. Well, yeah. And I mean, he does. And I think the most frustrated he's been before that, the press conferences today, uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday were when reporters basically keep, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for it. Reporters keep trying to get him to shit on Jr. and, and other Cavaliers players, and I, I don't really know what they expect. Like, I've interviewed G League players at the Wisconsin Herd before, and obviously it's not exactly the same thing, but, like, I just don't see how you... like. The, and it's not like, all right, like, they'll ask him one question, like, you know, what did you think about the Jr. thing? And he kind of, like, doesn't really answer. Like, you just have to move on. Like, you cannot sit there and ask two or three follow-up questions with really, like, the goal of asking those questions is to get a nice soundbite of LeBron throwing JR under the bus. And, like, what what is the... How does he win that situation? Like, how does that possibly benefit him to trash JR Smith, who... He knows JR messed up. JR knows JR messed up. Like, I'm sure they've, they'll talk about it. Hopefully they'll talk about it, and LeBron doesn't just cold shoulder him forever like I might do. But uh, LeBron's less petty than I am, I think. But it's just, like, stop trying to get him to to do that like it's not you're not slick like the the intention of those questions is very clear and i'm not saying you know you should you shouldn't ask hard questions to players or anything like that like i think asking about the situation or whatever is fair but i just sometimes it just feels like you know some of the 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 media there go out of their way to try and ask a question to where the only real way to answer if you do give an answer is to to kind of just really you know just like disrespect your teammates and like LeBron's not a guy who's going to do that. It's just not going to happen. Not in that way. At least he might call you Jamal Crawford instead of Jordan Clarkson or whatever, Jordan, Jordan Clarkson instead of Jamal, whatever, whatever he called Jordan Clarkson. But, uh, I, I just don't, I don't know. Those, those kind of things irk me sometimes. Yeah. It's like clickbait journalism. Like, yeah, like it, yeah, it's, it's, it is. Yeah. It doesn't go anywhere. Like, you know, exactly what's going to come out of it. I, I don't really understand that either. Like the only thing I can imagine is like, that someone's boss like is telling them telling them to ask those questions and want them to ask those questions because I don't I honestly as a as a fan who is like a diehard fan of the league and stuff and it's constantly keeping up with this kind of stuff like I don't I don't need that 
information. That's not something I'm pining for because I know the answer to those questions. Um, no, but it's like, but look at like the quote we talked about earlier about, you know, I got my teammates like those things. That'll be on the top of NBA Reddit. That'll be on the top of all the A block on the sports shows. It'll be retweeted all over Twitter from like five different accounts after four steal it from the guy who got it first. Like right. those things do do numbers and they get you traffic. And like I see like it's a messy game and that's the way it is, I guess. But it's just like, I mean, if, 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 if a guy's going to say something that would cause attention, let him say it. And, you know, you can ask a question to get there. But mm-hmm. some of the, the, the teammate under the bus questions just feel like setups. And, like, LeBron's not going to do that. Like, he's too smart. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I guess it's more of, like, you know, appealing to casual fans and stuff. Which, whatever, it drives numbers. But I agree. It's, uh, it's a little frustrating. Um, so... I guess the the JR thing, uh, I'm not even really sure. Is there anything, like, I, I went on the radio after game one, and I, one of the first questions I was asked was, um, have you ever seen, like, anything that is comparable in, um, and in like, I guess any sports league, but I, I'm really only, like, super in-depth on the NBA, but um, there, have you ever seen anything, like, even remotely similar or that had the same kind of consequences or the same sort of ripple effect as this and i was like really struggling to come up with something because especially in the era of social media this just feels like like the greatest blunder ever like i'm sure there's something that was worse or just as bad or whatever but it it really is tough to play something like that's you know had had bigger consequences than that jr moment so I don't, it's not an exact parallel, and thankfully it's the NFL, which just people don't tweet as, uh, about as much or as well or whatever, but uh, I'm, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, and in the playoffs this last year, they were playing the Vikings, and what happened basically was New Orleans had the game locked up after Drew Brees, probably one of my favorite NFL players of all time, drove down the field and got them a score, and, and all they really had to do was stop the Vikings, and there was almost no time on the clock. And basically, I forget who was even the Vikings quarterback at this point. Cause he had like five guys get hurt this year. But he uh, he throws a pass down to one of their receivers who catches it. And there was a safety and a cornerback like between him and the end zone. So it really just seemed like tackle him in bounds and the, the, the game is probably over. The, the safety behind the cornerback kind of like just jumps like for I, I don't know he, it's, it is a rookie I think he just got really like I think the moment was too much for him to be honest I think he'll be better next year but he he jumped and instead of getting the receiver at all he took out the cornerback and they both fell over and the receiver just got to run like 40 yards for the touchdown and that was the game like it was over right there hmm. and it's not the same stakes because it's not the finals it was just like the earlier playoffs but i mean like in the nfl it's like it's one and done if you lose so that like literally is like I, I was sending all these like tweets i was like so excited i was like yeah like my team might go to the super bowl again and it just ended just like that just off one just terrible a tackle attempt where all he did was tackle a fellow defender. So that's up there. Uh, Brandon Knight hilariously blew a layup uh, when he was on the Bucks, but he ended up coming back, and I think he scored the game-winning basket in overtime. But I think it was against the Nets, and he somehow just completely open, like fast break. He gets a steal, fast break. In my heart, I'm like, thank God, Brandon Knight, my guy, is about to do it. And he just he doesn't even try to dunk. He goes to lay it in, and it just rims out. And and that's that was the... That was the the game there, uh, but the Bucks came back and won, so it wasn't as bad. And it's just that's like a regular season game, so who even cares, you know? 
Brandon Knight, man. I, it's been a while since I thought about him. He's been he's been the through comeback. some things. The comeback. The comeback. The <laughs> comeback. He's been through some things. Uh, no one will ever forget that DeAndre Jordan dunk. Um, Brandon was, Knight has heart. He, he does. He will go up and try to stop that dunk, even if he has no business doing that. <laughs> he does. It's true. Um, yeah. Wishing wishing all the best for Brandon Knight. Shout out. <laughs> Big shout out. Um, so, you know what's interesting, too, is... Um, the story with uh, even when you're talking about like how the Warriors, uh, their general identity is to be sort of this carefree team that has fun, and they're so good that it just like it, it was what it's what made them lovable in the beginning before they were like this this superpower, um, and you know most of those players are still the same way. Um, Kevin Durant is sort of the odd man out because he's more of a serious guy. Um, and he's just such an interesting person. He always seems to be going through these like self-discovery moments and kind of like changing up with who he is and stuff. And, and you know, it's like a lot of people go through that kind of stuff. It's just that he's being, he's an, he's a superstar NBA player. So the tension's on him all the time. I, sometimes I feel bad for him because even though he says some crazy stuff and he is kind of like a cornball, like, I, I mean, like he, I think he's trying always to be like a, a better person. Like he's trying to become a better person and like do better things and not to say that he's a bad person or anything, but, um, you know, just to like be more of who he is and be allowed to be himself. And he struggles with this identity of the narrative of all around NBA players and around the warriors and his impact on the league and all this stuff. But in terms of play, like even this season, um, in talking about Steph, who has a great shot at the Finals MVP, okay, and KD won it so easily last um, postseason. This season has been like a lot different because he's isolating a lot more in these playoffs, and it's it's it slows the flow, it bogs down the offense for the Warriors because that's not the way they play. And even when he does get going and rolling and scoring, and he and he was really good in game two and a lot more efficient because he was taking a lot more shots and getting more shots in the offense um, and also just hitting some of the ones he missed in, like, game one. Um, but, you know, he's just an interesting, an interesting character to put on the Warriors. Um... And it's just like, the, I don't know, he always seems like the odd guy out. And there's that conversation about, you know, is there's a, there's a, uh, a subsect of people who really think the that Steph is um, a better player than Durant. Um, like, even when you take it to, like, just in a vacuum scenario, um, it's it's wild. Like, there are Warriors fans that, like, at the any hint of trouble, they will turn on Kevin Durant. Like, it's wild. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even really know exactly how to explain like the Kevin Durant chronicles since he's gone to the Warriors like what what are your thoughts on him if at all like during these finals so far I mean I just think like the isolation thing is so interesting because there was always it was always said like I remember Steve Kerr right away after they they officially announced signing him was like listen we're not going to play the same that we used to like you can't you can't put this guy in, in Harrison Barnes as a role. Like it's just it doesn't work that way. Like mm-hmm. we're gonna have to adapt to him, and that's part of the game. I, I think this year the cracks showed a little bit more, in part because I think the Warriors just faced better competition in the West, especially in the Western Conference Finals. Like that Rockets team, it was either that Rockets team or KD's last Thunder team is the best team that that Warriors squad ever faced since they assembled. Aside, I guess in in the West. In the West, we will. We're not going to worry about the 2016 or 17 Cavs, who were just a, a, amazing offensive teams. But in the West, it was it was those two. So 
the the first KD season, it almost felt like it was like a year off for them in the West. Like they just, I think they lost like once in the entire uh, Western Conference postseason, or once or twice. Like it, it was a slaughter. Um, so they kind of got pushed to the edge more, and the cracks started to show more. And the difference between like the inherent Warriors ball, uh, you know, Lamar Steph better, like pass to everyone, run around screens all day, like no one holds the ball for that long. And the, like, all right, let's toss Katie the ball and get a bucket if that doesn't work for a possession or two. And I think a lot of people smarter than me have pointed out that a lot of the isolation effectiveness for KD depends on where he gets the ball. A uh, little voice crack there. If he is uh, closer to the rim when he gets it, he gets a lot better shots and he doesn't have to hold the ball as long. But when he isos, like, above the three-point line, it, it takes so much longer. He tries to, like, size up his person, even though he doesn't really have the, the handles or the vision that Steph does. And it, it, that I think that is really what deflates their offense, when he, like, takes the ball up there like a point guard and tries to do his thing. But when they sort of pass it to him in motion and he's, like, already down on the block, all he has to do is really turn around and drop that thing in there. He's so tall and gifted. So I think that they, they're kind of figuring out how to do that better. Uh, if I'm a team, I would try my damnedest to get Katie the ball on the top of the block and let him work. Like that's not that that sounds like death, but it's better than integrated KD Warriors, which is just insane. Um, like I said earlier, I think on on here, and certainly I said before we started recording, like it's kind of a bummer to watch when it does go more KD now because I mean KD's a fun scorer, but. Like, there's nothing that was electric like Steph having a Steph moment. And, that, like, game two, obviously, in the finals, we got treated to, to a lot of those Steph moments. And it's just awesome. And I just think it's kind of unlike almost anything else. Like, there's there's few few uh, parallels to it. So uh, I, I think, like, talent is really more important than fit unless the fit is awful. And it's not awful here. It's just weird. And you can see that sort of fissure. And... The Warriors are, I think, getting a little better at managing it. But, you know, we'll see. It, it could pop up again if things get hard again. Yeah, the uh, Steph Curry is definitely the golden boy in Golden State in Oakland. Um, anytime that he goes on one of those Curry flurries or he the, the crowd starts to feel him getting hot, like, there's no crowd in the NBA that cheers for a single player. Like, I feel like Roracle cheers for Steph Curry when he's going hard. Like, it's just insane how loud it gets. Like it's bananas. Yeah. Um, they they call it Roracle for a reason. Yeah, like it, it doesn't it doesn't happen the same for KD. Like no, it absolutely does. Warriors fans do not like KD that much. Yeah, it's weird. Like I don't I don't really understand. I mean, I, I get it a little bit, I guess, if you don't like the his personality or whatever. But like, I just don't understand why like some Warrior fans don't like having KD on the team or or whatever. Or even well, if he they, feels like a misfit. Well, they they miss the the Steph ball. That's why, and it's uh, yeah. you know like like I said, this was the closest the Warriors have come to getting knocked out since they got KD. So they finally saw some adversity, and you know the result wasn't always the prettiest. And I think people were like, you know, I, I'm not saying this, but I think the sort of sentiment was like, I wonder if we would be better off if we just went back to you know 2015, 16, where it was Steph and Clay and Draymond and you know everyone else, and we just did it that way. And I I don't I think they are better for having done the move and getting KD. I don't think Steph is better off for it, but I think the team in general is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was making jokes on Twitter. Um, I think during always a uh, always a noble pursuit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not typically very good at them, but I was making some anyway um, during I think the Rocket series um, when some people were like kind of turning on Durant, even their own fans, and uh, I was saying, hey, like if uh, if the Warriors don't want KD, the Raptors will take him. Um, like I, right, I, right. Here's Demar. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, um, we'll give you Serge Ibaka. He's great. Um, like, you, you know, it doesn't... I just I I know personality is such an important thing in terms of like seeing NBA players as characters, which I think is kind of a dangerous thing anyway. In some um, in some way, um, if you're not kind of like I don't know woke about it or whatever, but like I I I mean this is like in a vacuum, arguably the second best player in the world. Like I will take him on my team a hundred times out of a hundred, even if I don't like his personality, I'm taking that guy because that guy can get you to where you want to go. You just got to build around him. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that all that discussion around Durant is really interesting because a lot of people put into stock, um, into a higher stock almost. The more the stuff that he does, like, off the floor and, and things he's said and things he's done than his actual, like, game and how he helps the uh, the Warriors in their pursuit of a title. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, he was so good in game two. And nobody talked about it because Curry, um, you know, had his, his stamp all over the game near the end. But, like, Durant was good all that game, like, the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I would love to see KD go to his own team uh, in part to get the Steph Warriors back and in part just to, like, give him that chance to sort of prove himself. Because, I mean, we're looking at it now, like, I mean, he's going to have two rings, and th- those two rings are two rings. I don't believe in asterisks. I still can't say that word. Asterisks. <laughs> asterisks. Um, but at the same time, like, he won two two rings with a team that the year before he joined won 73 games. You know, like, mm-hmm. I would love, even if, even if he joined up with LeBron, which is something that when it looked like it could be a Rocket Celtics finals, I was so, so ready for LeBron and KD to go to L.A. together. Not because I have any affinity for Ooh. the Lakers, but, like, imagine the interdivision rivalry between KD snaking the Warriors after he snaked the Thunder to go there and LeBron obviously completely justified in leaving Cleveland. That team plus, like, Ingram and Lonzo and them playing against the Warriors, like, oh, my God, that would have been fun. God, that's the best timeline. Who, who cares about the East? Let Philly and Boston and Milwaukee and maybe Toronto and Indiana fight fight out that conference. Doesn't really matter. The the West would oh my goodness, Houston versus Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, Houston versus Golden State versus LA would have just been incredible. Like I'm so here for that, and I, I even think that would be. More, I think KD would get more merit for that, even though he'd still be on LeBron's team. But it's like. You know that they they sort of formed it together. I think that's the difference between like the Heatles and the KD Warriors. It's like, like LeBron went there with D Wade and they got Bosh and they like they made something. Like they made a whole new thing. Like the Warriors were already there and KD sort of like got absorbed and added to it. I think that's I think that's a lot of people's problem. I mean, there's a lot of problems people have with KD. A lot of them are stupid. But I think one of the problems people have is like you know he kind of just joined a club. Like they didn't they didn't start it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that's the. The, the general feeling, and I also agree that that, for the most part, is pretty dumb. Um, but I, I just got this mental image of, like, LeVar Ball just yelling obscenities at Steph Curry. Well, uh... I'm here for it. <laughs> Steph, would talk, Steph would talk trash right back. Yeah. He went up to Kendrick freaking Perkins, who is, I've seen him in person, a huge individual, and goes, I think he said, you're not playing tonight, huh? And walked away. It's just like, my goodness, Steph. <laughs> Yeah, the, I don't remember where I heard this. I heard this on some other podcast, but like there are people talking about like how that Steph has that. Some people see Steph as having a like a soft reputation. Like I don't understand how people can have that. Like dude gets like like rocked all the time in so many series. Like guys are grabbing at him and knocking him down and doing all these things to him because they think that 
that'll get in his head and stuff, and it never works. And he's also always a guy to, like, defend himself and to defend his teammates and, like, will go right at people who are trash-talking him, like... Like I don't, I don't know where this soft. Thing it's comes it's from. a very it's a very Shaq Charles Barkley esque take. If if I mean that's where that kind of you know if you're not a big bruiser and going in every time and you take a lot of jump shots and you're soft. And it's like all yeah. right then he'll be he'll be soft for this three rings in, in four <laughs> years. It's a real shame. Yeah, I think it's because he also because he's kind of like a jokey like he has a jokey personality or he doesn't yeah. he doesn't take things too seriously because nobody talks about Chris Paul being like soft like unless it's not about he's, him he's too busy punching people in the dick for that <laughs> yeah exactly like he's too much of like a yapper like everybody like i you see him as like a one of those like little dogs that just never stops barking um yeah they did and he's just like he but he's like a little like he's tough like he's a little dude but he's just got a lot of you know he'll do literally anything to win um yeah and that, i think yeah I, I almost feel like for steph this playoffs a seminal moment was i think it was this series, I think it, it might have been game one. I, I'm misremembering now, but he makes. I think it was the finals, and he, he makes like a an end one, and he goes to Oracle and just screams, "This is my fucking house!" And it was like, "Oh, Steph's not here to play." Like Steph is, you know, he'll be jokey jokey after the game is no longer competitive, but you know, he's and like overtime. He was messing with LeBron, and LeBron got mad when the game was already over. But like, he was intense. Like. I, I agree with you. People forget, like, this is still, like, an, an athlete competing in the NBA. Like, just because he's not always, like, screaming does not mean he he doesn't want it any any less than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. I love watching Steph. Like, I don't care. You know, some, I, there's some people that it's, you got to be loyal to your own team and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think that's kind of dumb um, in terms of, like, yeah, you can have your favorite team and all that stuff. But, like, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy other players and i really enjoy watching steph curry like he's so fun i think out of any player in the league like when when he gets going i think he's the most fun to watch um yeah i mean i I don't think i'd be like as deep in the nba as i am certainly right now if it wasn't for like when i first started to get interested is when steph was really starting to do steph stuff and i was like oh wow like this is this is like straight up magic yeah it's not magic johnson like magic like the Orlando Magic, but not them either, because they're bad. Like the actual concept of magic. Oh God, the Orlando Magic. That's that's such a sad place right now. Oh, Just man. go look back at that Victor Oladipo trade and, and what they got for all those pieces. If you uh, ever want to feel better about your own team. Oof, yeah. Ooh, I I don't know. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Raptors alumni going there though. Yeah, it's because they'll just take anyone. They, they don't care. Bad contract, <laughs> sure. Here's a draft pick. Yeah. They got, you know what, I, I, I still, sometimes there'll be, you know, those late nights, and I guess it's not always late because it's Orlando, but um, there's nothing else on League Pass, and you see an Orlando game, and I, I'll watch for Terrence Ross, I'll admit it, I'll watch for Terrence Ross. Oh, really? Ross. I'm, yeah. I'm not watching for Terrence Ross. <laughs> oh, God, I still believe in Terrence Ross. It's never too late. Um, so, okay, so... The Kevin Durant, do you think, uh, just circling around back to him just real quick, like, do you think, because this interested me, do you think there's a chance he pulls a LeBron and, like, goes back to OKC ever, or do you think that that's kind of done as long as, like, Westbrook is there? I don't think it's done. I think they've gotten a little warmer lately. I think, I, I feel like if he was going to make a homecoming, it would be if Seattle got a team in the next few years. Ooh. I think that would be, and Jeff Green would probably go too if he's still in the league at this point, just to be like a role player. But I mean, I think those guys have a lot of respect for Seattle, and that's like if there's expansion, 
I just feel like Seattle has to be one of the markets and it's not going to be this summer. Obviously we would have known about it a long time ago, but if that were to happen and, and KD would could find a way to be a free agent at the same time, I, I would not be completely blown away to see him try to build something in. Cause I mean, just imagine the, like if you go to an expansion team and win titles as a, a star in your prime, like that's really impressive. And I don't know if it's realistic, but I think there would be, I think it would be phenomenal. It's like what the Golden Knights are doing in the NHL. Yeah, except the sport people watch. <laughs> Sorry, hockey. Wow. Sorry, hockey. The shots. I feel like all of Canada just just like gasped and took a took a breath. Um. Probably. I'm not even. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad sport. I'm just saying people don't. People just don't watch it. I, I don't really know exactly the reason. Hey, um, I, mean, I think more people should. But I think part of it is like it, it's always out when the NBA is on. I think that's. That's yeah. tough for them. Yeah, uh, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not a big NHL fan. Like, I'll watch sometimes. I don't watch that much. Um, but like, you know, I'm. I'm. I live in Canada, so like, pretty much everybody I know watches it. Um, yeah, and I feel like a lot of NBA people have a negative view of it because the most we see about hockey, if it's not fun, Golden Knights stuff, which I think is awesome, is like some a really dumb NHL tweet that's basically like. Like there was the one after the JR thing. Like that's the difference between hockey and basketball. Basketball, oh fifteen guys, you know, abandon their teammate, and hockey, twenty five guys are there for him. And it's like, just why, why, why do you need me to appreciate your sport right now that badly? Like, just tweet about the actual sport and what's happening, and I would probably be more interested than this yeah. weird, like, you know, not entirely not racist tweet. Like, just come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's a dumb take, man. Like. Uh, I don't know. I it that's kind of the way it is here. Like I always feel uh, basketball's fighting for respect here. Um, it's getting better, but especially since the Raptors have been better for the past few years. But uh, yeah, it's it's always a second fiddle to hockey, man. I I have, I have a question for you, actually. Yeah, fire away. Do you think at this point Canada could have a second team, or is like all of Canada cheer for the Raptors? Um, it's a really interesting question because. Definitely think they could have a second team. Uh, if you wanted to have one, I feel like, honestly, like, so Vancouver had the Grizzlies originally, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they moved to Memphis, um, which is why, if anyone's ever listening, yeah, there's not a lot of Grizzly Bears in Memphis, um, <laughs> but there are, <laughs> there are in uh, Vancouver. Um, I feel like that BC would be the best place probably to have another team. Um, just because it's like next to Toronto, it's one of the more like, um, bustling cities, like, uh, always has stuff going on there. There, it's one of the bigger cities. Um, you know, people like going there. It's um, kind of on the rise, isn't it? Vancouver. It is. Yeah. Like, I mean, everything's like going up, like in terms of like more stuff, more people, housing prices, everything's going up. Um, and, and, you know, it's on a, it's in a, it's far from Ontario. Um, it's on the, it's yeah. on the coast. So you know, it's not like the teams would be really close together. Um, I it's it's just, it's a little tough to gauge because, like, if you were if you're in Toronto, you kind of feel like there's enough excitement about basketball for there to be another team. I'm not sure how the other provinces feel about it, um, and it's always interesting when you see another hardcore hoops fan from like another province, and they and none of them are Raptors fans. Almost all of them have chosen another team because they didn't grow up in Ontario. Um, like, you know, Justin Rowan, notably, um, is he, uh, is he Winnipeg? He is Winnipeg. Yeah. 
Gurley. And then uh, Josh Eberle is. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I think Eberle really has a team. Maybe he did at one point, but he's more. Oh no! Than, but I mean, like, for where where? Oh, Canada he's uh, he's, at. he's um. I, I forget the place. Cal- now. I think it's Calgary. Yeah, I think it is. I think it yeah, is. He's yeah, in, yeah, he's in Edmonton though. Yeah. Um, uh, I was gonna say we have there's a there's a lot of like fun NBA Twitter people from Canada who are like kind of scattered all around Canada, Canada which I think is really fun because I, I like to picture that like the average you know typical American basketball fan. Just thinks you all three like like room together in the same apartment building. Like yeah, they're all from Canada. They probably live across the street from each other. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of space here. A lot of space. Yeah, it's um, pretty big. Pretty big place, Canada. Yeah, not a lot of people, but a lot of space. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, it's it's kind of tough to judge. Um, but in some ways, I feel like I feel like it it could. Um, but it's one of those things that it, it's tough to risk when you know what you're getting with stuff like hockey, like. The Leafs are, it's crazy. The Leafs have never been good in my lifetime. Um, and, you know, every year it's sold out. The season tickets are sold out. You can't go to a game unless, like, you know, you want to spend a ridiculous price to go. Like, they're really expensive tickets. Um, it's insane. And they're always, like, they're always bad. Um, you know, maybe they'll be good eventually, but uh, it's been a long, long time. So it's just, it's it's wild. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like I don't. I don't think Vancouver's on the short list, personally. Uh, no, I would agree with you. It's probably not. Like I, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think if the NBA was looking to expand, I don't think Canada would be um, like an, the place they would look as like a top, maybe even top five place. Definitely no, not. Because like not they're doing three. really well there already. Yeah, I mean, see, here's the thing. Like, I think as if the Raptors continue to get um, more popular and basketball continues to grow, uh, then maybe it will sort of spread, but I, but I think it's like, it's still in sort of, um, not infancy stages, but like it growing, it's growing. It's, it's still, it's still young. Um, it has, yeah. it has a chance to get a lot better, but you know, what's interesting is outside of the NBA, there's a lot of, um, basketball leagues, like grassroots leagues that are starting to try and grow here. Um, we have Ooh. the, we have the NBL. Uh, do you know what the NBL is? I do not. Okay. So that's the, um, national basketball league of Canada. Uh, so it's basically just like, it's our next level pro league from the, there's the NBA obviously. And then this is kind of what we have. And I think there's, uh, what do we got now? It's, it's, there's, they've added some teams since I last checked, but I think it's like, like 10 teams or so. Um, and it's just like every province pretty much has a team, not every province, but like that each one, each team is from a different province for the most part. And, well, there's no, uh, there's no Northwest Territory squad? No, there is not, unfortunately. <laughs> um, nothing from the Yukon either, unfortunately. Uh, oh. Nothing from Iqaluit. Yeah, the, the, the territories are getting ripped. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, there's, you know, teams from Halifax, PEI, and all that stuff. Um, I, I live close to London. London had the first, pretty much the first ever team. It was one of the teams from the inaugural season. Uh, they had the London Lightning and I've been to some of those games, and it's pretty fun for pro hoops. Like, it's nothing like the NBA, obviously, or even the G League, but um, it's it's still fun. Um, you know who plays on the London Lightning? This is a good. This will be a good fact for you. I, I don't. This is Royce White. Oh wow! Yeah, former Houston Rockets pick. Yeah. In the draft, the the first uh, the first NBA advocate for mental health, or at least one of the first. Yeah. So he's and he's still all over that too. Like, uh, he, oh yeah. He's tweeting about it all the time and all that stuff, but um, yes, he. I think, but uh, our, our mutual acquaintance Ben Mahich, I think, actually did a piece where he interviewed Roy White about that. 
Oh, Rice that's, White. That's Excuse awesome. Me. Um, yeah. Yeah, apparently he's a good guy. Uh, he'll do interviews and stuff like that. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's really interesting. And uh, he's he's one, uh, the Lightning are, are sort of like the early like Boston Celtics kind of in like the 40s kind of thing where because they have such a small league and they're one of the first teams to start they kind of have one of the best teams I think they've won like almost every year it's got to be close um but pretty wow. much every well year, I guess so. if you have like Royce White is like a real NBA caliber player yeah he's so I mean I feel like that that probably helps a lot yeah well it was like one of these things it was almost like a Warriors situation sort of I guess they won a couple years and then they they added him later so oh wow yeah so they won this year and uh, I think actually, I think this year, I think he got suspended before Game Seven. So, Ooh. Um, wow! Yeah. Someone took him to seven. Shout out to the other team. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Halifax actually. The Rain Men, I think. Oh, that's a fun. I'm gonna watch. watch oh, you've probably just gotten me in an NBL rabbit hole now. Thanks for this. <laughs> it's like I needed more basketball. I'm getting in the WNBA now. I yeah. try to pay attention. I watch the G League. Uh, I try to pay attention to Eurobasket. Now I got to worry about this too. Awesome. Dude, there's so many weird NBA connections to this. Um, like Michael uh, Ray Richardson um, yeah. was oh, the yeah. coach. He was coach for the Lightning in their first season. Um, yeah, there's there's some crazy, crazy connections. Um but yeah, so Canada and basketball. Hopefully, it's getting bigger. But uh, yeah, well, RJ, RJ Hunter might help a lot on that. Oh yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, Steph Curry. Um, I, this is kind of like one of these barbershop questions, but like I'm kind of interested in it, um, just because for the fun, um, the fun of it. But do you think? So say this finals plays out the way we think it's going to play out and he wins finals mvp and they win in like four or whatever they end up winning so curry has his third ring um he'll have his finals mvp he'll have three rings he'll have two uh regular season mvps he'll be known as the greatest shooter of all time is steph curry a top 10 all-time player Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if he was the best point guard. And I was going to say that's not. I don't think that's that interesting anymore. If if this no. situation, I, I think. Do you like think I, you think he's a better point guard than Magic? I mean, I, the people will people. This is people will say that he's not a better pure point guard than Magic. Fine, cool. <laughs> Whatever. Have a better pure, pure point guard. Give me Steph. Absolutely, give me Steph. Like, okay. His offensive peak, I think, is incredible, and he can score that many points without, while making everybody else on his team feel amazing, and that's such a rare thing. Like so, so often you see players, like role players, get a little resentful of the star. That Steph, Steph somehow can do both things, and so yes, I, right now, I'm willing to say I would take him over any point guard ever. If I'm picking a, an, an ultra team, I want Steph at the one, no matter what. I think he can play with anyone else. Like that's that's one of the cases for like Jordan or. Uh, Brown over Jordan is that like Brown is more adaptable it feels like but I think Curry is also very very adaptable um, maybe in different ways I think but it, it's they're both they, they both can do a lot of different things um, top 10 players all time you can see I have three rings a couple of the best seasons one of the very best seasons of all time yep finals MVP two unanimous MVPs I mean, it's like who who's all out there? Like LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Bird, Magic. Some people would say Kobe, and they're wrong. Duncan. Uh, Duncan, Shaq, probably is close. Yeah, I, I feel think like, now we're getting to the point where like. Do you do you ever feel like we're we're at, we're gonna get to the point soon, or we're getting really close where we have like too many, and it just becomes like just who you like? Oh, it's already like that. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's always kind of been like that. But I, I yeah, think okay. like if Steph can do what he does now for a few more years, then you could convince me to take him over Duncan. Ooh, okay. Like I mean, you're talking about even if they don't win rings every time, but if he's like this crazy good offensively for like seven straight years, I mean Duncan's longevity is so wild. But it's like I mean he could never change the game offensively like Steph can. And it's it's just different. I, I don't know. It's yeah. it's just hard. Duncan's longevity and consistency are incredible, and you know is obviously a defensive anchor on the Spurs. I don't know. It's I, I just I, like I said to at the jump here. I think like this guy Steph is still underrated, and I think Duncan's very underrated too. But I, I don't know. Like if if you ask me, Steph or Kobe, I'll take Steph right now. Yeah, is that sure. a hot take? That might be a hot take. I don't care. Give me give Steph me Steph. Kobe? Give me Steph easily. Yeah, oh no, God, I'm, I'm, there I'm, are. There are corners of NBA Twitter that would fillet us for this conversation. Oh, God, dude. I don't even care. Like, bring him on into my mentions. I don't care at all, man. Like, I'll take Steph over Kobe, like, any day. Any day of the week. I agree with you. Like, I don't don't know, man. I think Kobe gets – Kobe's overrated. He's overrated by his stands and underrated by, I think, a lot of other fans. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think some people just shit on Kobe. I think Kobe was great, but I think, like – I, I, like he wasn't like it's not like he did nothing to win those five rings. Like Kobe's yeah. awesome, but yeah, he's awesome, I, I just I, I I I would prefer Steph. He's a Kobe's Jordan shadow. That's how I look at him. He's the just the shadow of Jordan, but he's still great. Yeah. Still great. Yeah, he he um, controlled C, controlled V, all his or controlled uh, V, all his moves, just copy paste. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I agree. I'll I'll take I'll take Curry. I I still uh, I I always want there to be a place, even if it's like number ten for me personally. And uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't talk about him anymore, but I I usually have the dream somewhere around uh, yeah eight nine ten just because he's like the only player. Uh, unless I have to go back and double check this, but like I remember I wrote this an article about this years ago. But he's the only uh, superstar player, like top ten player ever, who won a title without any future Hall of Famers on his team. Um, the first the first title he won. The second one he had uh, Drexler. But yeah. uh, older Drexler, but he, but out of every other player that's won a title, that's like in a top, in the top ten list, kind of thing, considered to be there, he's the only guy who managed to do it to win a title without any future Hall of Famers playing with him. Which oh is, yeah, I guess the best guys there were Kenny Smith and Robert Horry. I guess it looks like here, yeah. Otis Thorpe, Vernon Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, it was so you know, I mean, I, and all that, all those people can talk about how like you know Jordan took his break and blah 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 whatever. Whatever. He he beat who was in front of him, um, and I just I, I I have so much respect for that. Like, just the fact that he was able to do that. Like, I, I don't know. I always think it's one of the greatest accomplishments that no one ever talks about. So I, I always have him have him in there, and I kind of I kind of stand for him. But yeah, I think I think Curry's getting close, getting close to that top ten. Um, obviously like his career's not close to done, but you know. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with Curry is like it's people are gonna hold his teammates against him. But in my yep. opinion. And I have a lot of respect for Clay and Draymond. I think they're terrific. Neither of those guys are all-stars or all-NBA players if they're not on Steph Curry's team. Like, he is the motor that drives the Warriors. And without him, it's just not the same. Like, they're good. They're very good players. But I, I think if your team, and this is, what let's talk pre-KD, your team is like, you replace him with, like, Jeff Teague. And it's like Jeff Teague, Clay Thompson. Uh, we'll go with that 2014-15 team. Harrison Barnes, Draymond, and Bogut. That's a good team. I don't think you're winning any title. 
Mm-hmm. I, unless the unless the NBA is super weak that year, like he makes everything else work. Like he is the reason you can't help off anybody because if if you give him an inch of space, it's over. Like the gravity and and the just the ability, what he can do. Like I, I think, like it's fair to say he had good teammates. Sure, most players besides Dream did, but like he created that juggernaut. Like the, he is the reason the Warriors are what they are. And like there's a lot of people who have. It's not just him, of course, but he's the number one reason. And I think like. To me, that means a lot. Like, if you build a dynasty, and there's like it was a dynasty even before KD went, I would argue it would have been a dynasty anyway. Like that, that's that's really impressive. And like that's there, and it could change, but it looks like they're on they're on course to just have sustained excellent excellence. Yeah, even you know what's interesting. I don't know where you fall on this, but because um, I actually don't know myself, I've thought about it a little bit. But like, what do you think about? Like, it's hard to know, I guess, but um, if you moved Clay Thompson from the Warriors and, like, basically gave him his own team, do you think he can be that guy? Like, there's, there's some, I know some people that think, like, he, he couldn't even be, like, he's basically um, the best kind of role player you can have and don't think that he could be the go-to scorer kind of on a, on a team because no one necessarily game plans specific, specifically for him um, and all that stuff. Like, if you put him on the, I don't know, the Hornets or something... And he became the guy there. Like, could he score like, you know, twenty-two to twenty-five points a game, and grab like five rebounds and dish out four assists, kind of thing? Um, or is or is he, or is he that guy? Like, can could he do that? Like, is is Clay like, he's so hard to to figure out because he's on the Warriors and in such a perfect situation for him. Um, like. I'm not really sure exactly where, where to place him or how to think about him if you want we're looking at him in a vacuum. Like do you, do you think like is there is there a a world where you put him on one of those teams and like he becomes an all NBA player? I doubt it. I think I, I feel like he's kind of Paul George esque in that like at his absolute best he's not the guy, but he's still good enough to where he's gonna be good almost no matter what. Like uh I I think like I mean, the problem Clay can't really dribble that well. Most of the time, yeah, it's true. Which uh, makes it difficult to score, but his touch is so good that if you give him a second of space, he can pull up. And his his post ups are good too. I think that's something mm-hmm. that people kind of sleep on with Clay. Like if he posts you up on baseline, it's a pretty good shot of him getting that bucket. And I think, like just between shooting threes and and doing that, like it would take he'd use way more shots than he uses now, and he'd probably get around the same points. And it's just like, but it, there would be no rings. Like if Clay Thompson's your best player, you're not winning a championship. You know, maybe he gets a couple All Stars. I don't think he really gets any All NBAs because, I mean, it's I, I I don't know. I just I think Clay is good. I just don't think he, his style of play is conducive to being the guy. But again, like he's talented enough to where it wouldn't be a, a disaster. I don't think. Um, it's yeah. So it's I, that's why I think he's willing to like he'll take less money. He doesn't care if he doesn't get all the credit, whatever, whatever. Like this is just a place where what he does works perfectly, and I think he's very cognizant of that. Yeah, I also think it's interesting. Like his personality, like is just it seems to be the way that he doesn't seem like he seems perfectly fine not being the guy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he cares one bit. Yeah, I think he's too chill. Like I've never seen Clay not in chill mode. Like he just seems to. I'm I'm not sure you want to put everything on that guy's shoulders because of the way he just is so laid back that he it might seem like he. he doesn't it, care. Yeah, yeah like, like, after, he like, care. A, like a couple game losing streak, the fans would be ready to throw him out of town because he would be like, "Oh well, 
I'm yeah. gonna go play with Rocco now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't know, but uh, yeah, Clay's been—he's an interesting. He's one of the interesting uh, pieces to look at from the Warriors. Um, I know we we kind of talked about this uh, idea before the podcast, but and you brought it up, so I want to ask you about it. But writing about the Warriors, um, you know, any any article pretty much, um, especially at this point where they're, and even last year when Kevin Durant came over. They're at this point now where they're considered by most people to be like the best team ever assembled. That's not a dream team. Um, how difficult is it to write about the Warriors? Because it's just it's it seems like one of those things where like a lot of people will say, you know, I I started writing about the Warriors and then I felt like it was kind of pointless because what do you say other than if they play their best, they're gonna win every time. It's just it's just about whether or not they care enough to to play to that level. And even people were saying that during the Rockets series that the games that they lost, and it's not like the Rockets weren't great or didn't push them or give them a challenge or whatever. And I do think sometimes people are, aren't giving the Rockets maybe enough credit. But uh, there also did seem to be games where they just like kind of zoned out and they didn't seem to be as locked in as they usually are. And like they won one of those games by forty. Like you know what I mean? Like when they're locked yeah. in, it's like yeah, it's the, that's it. As soon as they, as soon as they're ready to go, and everybody's firing, it's that's it. So when you're writing about the Warriors, it's like, yeah, they just need to do that. Um, it's not, it's it doesn't seem like you need to go. Okay, here's here's all the strategy we need. It's just we have so much talent that it it, it really doesn't matter what you throw at us. So how do you kind of tackle that like idea of writing about the Warriors? Well, I mean, it's it's tough in the first place, like. Just when a team is that good, to, for every article not to basically just be like, "Look, they're really fucking good." Like it's, you, you, I mean, you can't you can't lie. You can't be yeah. like, you know, they they stink. They're gonna get like that's that's just stupid. You have to acknowledge it. But I think, and I, I was very briefly on the Warriors beat pre KD at at, uh, at Hoops Habit, uh, which was a fun time. But I for I don't I don't think I was on it for that long. It's like I switched. Something else happened. Whatever, whatever. But and that was like the challenge. Like I would live tweet the games, and I'd just be like, "Yeah, guess what?" And this was I think this was a seventy three win season. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, guess what?" They're up by twenty five in the third quarter, and Steph's sitting down again. Woo! Like it's just it's kind of dumb. So it's it's my my approach to it has been, and I don't write about them as much as I had to back then. Was really like I'll, I'll key in on something sometimes like different trends do kind of crop up in them and i i don't entirely buy into like they can just flip a switch and kill everyone like i don't think like this like we talked about how fun loving that I don't, I don't know if it works that way exactly i think sometimes they just happen to all be on the same page i don't think they can control that though i think they would they would blow teams out every time if they could um but like trends can be interesting so like steph attacked the rim much more effectively in, in his MVP season. And that was something you could talk about. Or like, there's been times where he'll get a lot of assists a lot of times in a row. Like, and he started off with like eight assists and no turnovers, I think in game one. And it was like, like that was an interesting thing for me because like Steph doesn't always have the ball in his hands, you know? And like looking at what Draymond does uh, is always fun because Draymond does everything except score in buckets, which has casual fans think he's bad. Like he's their point guard. He plays every position on defense. He's one of their best rebounders defensive player of the year like Draymond is freaking incredible but he's always fun to look at but I think my favorite Warriors articles that I've done have kind of just embraced the fact that they're that good and tried to really blow it out and like give some historical precedence and whatever else and like a mix of numbers and just watching them and like quotes 
to sort of put it like, look, they are this good. That's sorry. Like, if you might be tired of hearing it. I'm not going to write it every single day. But those were the pieces I had the most fun with. Like, I know I did this one about how unprecedented Steph's second MVP year was. And it was just like, Jesus. Like, it's look at, look at some of this. Like, it was, it was almost like... It wasn't as much like a, like some articles you kind of feel like you're writing it as sort of like a you know here are my findings or whatever like this that that tone is something that I think it's easy for a lot of writers to take that one I almost more felt like guys check this out look how stupidly good he is like it was it was almost it was fun to write because it was like wow look at all this like this is crazy and I think like in general the Warriors were more fun they were probably more fun to write about pre KD too. But I think it's still kind of fun sometimes, not all the time because it does get old, but sometimes to sort of lean into the greatness and be like, look how damn good this team is. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I you got to take the the fun in that, I think, if, if you're going to write about the Warriors on any kind of consistent basis. And I guess usually if you are writing about the Warriors on a consistent basis um, and you're not like a beat reporter or something, then you're then you're a fan, so that helps. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't even imagine doing that almost all the time and just and trying to find new things i guess um if you're watching every single one of their games like you said you'll find more things like little trends that are interesting to stick with like even this season like it was incredible it was by far my favorite raptor season we've ever had that i've watched and uh we won 59 games not anywhere close to 73 but it sure felt like we were winning every single game and uh you know like writing about that was like you know there was so many times where you almost get into a mode of like, well, the uh, the bench mob saved us again, and uh, we were up by twenty in the fourth quarter, and you know that's that's how it's been for the past like twenty games. Like, um, so you know, taking that and like just amplifying it to an extreme for the Warriors is like I I, I don't know sometimes how people uh, just do that over and over again, but but yeah, there, there's got to be some um, some fun things in there too to talk about. Um, Real quick before I let you go, uh, do you think the Cavs have any kind of chance in Game 3? I mean, maybe. I think they could take one of the next two games, but I think the series is over. I just don't think, like, 2015, like, LeBron's not going to have enough in the tank to to do this whole thing. And it's just, there's not enough other guys who look any, anywhere near equipped to to put up the kind of performances you would need to beat the Warriors and, unless something just, like, catastrophic happened to them. Yeah. Hoping for a Rodney Hood 30-point game. Let's get it. He did it once before this year. He He's did seen it. the video. He did it, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping so much. I want him to go out and score, like, at least 15 or something. That'd be great. Um, even if they lose, it'd still be nice for him. Um, what do you think is... Uh, I guess we kind of mentioned this a bit earlier, but you think LeBron's gone, right? I mean, most likely, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I think if they if they win game one and they lose a tight series, then maybe he tries to stick around and they build there. But like, it's just so demoralizing, and like they they just really have let him down. I, I'm not even gonna say the individual players. I don't think it's their faults. Like they are who they are. Like you shouldn't expect Jr. to be Kyrie Irving or Jordan Clarkson to be Kyrie Irving. Like mm-hmm. the organization has let him down. Like the Kyrie trade is just a disaster, and you know most of their trades at the deadline were a disaster. George Hill is kind of good. Everyone else they got in those trades, Sands, Larry Nance is just not good, and they gave up a first to get Larry Nance. So you look at like their like what can they do to entice him to stay? You know they have a draft pick that they are almost certainly not going to trade unless he agrees to sign their long term, which I think there's no way in hell he's signing their long term this summer. It's Kevin Love who's banged up and getting uh, more and more expensive every year, and you know what's their next best asset after that? George Hill. 
Kyle Corver, who is barely playable right now, and they might not be playing him at all if they were deeper. Like they don't, they're not going to have a lot of cap space. They don't have draft picks to get rid of their expensive salaries. Like it's it's tough. It's looking tough for Cleveland unless they can pull off some sort of a miracle in this series. I just think there's going to be other suitors that have better presentations for him. Yeah, I agree with that. Unless maybe LeBron really, really loves Trey Young, and then the Cavs can pick Trey Young, and maybe that'll entice him. Uh, who am I kidding? That might, not, that might not go well for him after <laughs> his uh, his deep feelings for Shabazz Napier. <laughs> I love when people bring up the Napier thing. It's so funny. Where is he playing this season? It was uh, Portland, right? Yeah, I think he is a backup over on the Trailblazers. Yeah, I think he I think he had a pretty good season for them, actually. LeBron yeah. was right. GM Braun. <laughs> I was excited about that. I remember watching a, like a broadcast or something, and someone had mentioned that uh, that Napier had had a pretty good season, and I, I got excited. Like, oh my God, it's, he's he's actually making a career. Like, I'm so happy uh, after yeah, that. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, so something I always like to ask uh, my guests anytime I have them on is about um, their writing process, and... Uh, I'm just curious about, like, do you have a particular, like, I, I know you, you write enough that I'm sure you, like, have recognized your own voice and stuff now, and, you, and you're comfortable in your own voice and um, using it to, you know, get to the places you want to go with the type of articles you want to write, but do you have, like, a specific kind of article that you, you enjoy writing, like, informative articles or, like, instructive ones or, um, you know, more, like, story-type ones or... Um, what, what's your preferred like style, uh, to use your voice in? I would say, I think going back to the greatness thing, I think those are the most fun for me. And this is completely left field example, but my day job, I, I write about airplanes actually for a couple of different publications. Um, and I just recently turned in this story and we just finished the edits on it and everything, um, about this. Uh, so in America, in all over the world, but especially in America, you can you can buy a, a kit and build your own airplane, and it's more popular than you would think, and less crazy than you would think. And this this kit company just recently, like this last year or so, got their ten thousandth kit flying. They're the first one to ever do that. They, now they have more than ten thousand. Um, and I I got to do the story about that for for our magazine, and just like I got to talk to the company's founder, and they started it like back in like the sixties and seventies, and got to talk to some of the builders and some people who worked there and everything else, and just getting to chronicle a story like that and put it together on a grand scale is the most fun for me because I feel like I'm pretty good at sort of getting the point across that like why something's important without being just like without simply saying it's important but sort of like the the nuances of like look at how crazy this is like this is how they did it blah 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 and i think i like those stories a lot sort of like the sort of explanatory but also kind of braggadocious which i guess is kind of like my personality in general so it fits yeah that sounds awesome i didn't i didn't realize you wrote about airplanes Oh yeah, I'm a big airplane guy. Oh, okay. So that's that's cool. I like that. Um, is it so? Is it like airplane journalism, basically? Yeah. So uh, I work for EAA, which is the Experimental Aircraft Association, based here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and they have a couple magazines. But the the main one I write for is called Sport Aviation, which goes to pretty much all their members. So it goes to like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand plus, something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's all about uh, general aviation, which is like the small planes. So it's not really airliners. It's more like the, the flying for fun or for travel, but mostly for fun. It's, it's sort of a different feel than, than like just getting into an airline. Like 
that that's like mass transit. This is more like, you know, there's a lot of them like you can open the windows and like feel the wind and you fly a lot slower. And it's just, it's it's really hard to describe if you've never done. I would recommend to anyone if you can, you know, get a get a general aviation flight. Um, but it's yeah, it's pretty cool. And I didn't know much about it before I started there, and I really got indoctrinated into it. And uh, it's just been a blast getting to learn that. And it's always challenging to write about something that you're kind of learning about too. But luckily, I have a lot of knowledgeable people there who uh, help me out with that. And I've gotten to learn a lot about aviation in general and general aviation. That's awesome. Um, I, Thank you. I, I don't know like nearly enough about airplanes to like having a good conversation about them but i'm like fascinated by them i was i was afraid of heights when i was a kid but i've like overcome same it. same really was it did oh, you yeah. get interested in it after that like i kind of passed or was it because of that or why um i, I just uh, it looked like a great opportunity and i actually had an internship there before i got hired and i'm pretty good in a typical uh, typical ga ride except like if if the like you know so you, you kind of tilt to turn right yeah. so like if you if you tilt like if let's say I'm in the the right seat on the right side of the plane if if it tilts right to turn that way uh, I look straight down at the ground that kind of you know gets me feeling a little weird I actually I got to ride in a photo plane which is like an airplane with no door so you can take pictures out of it and uh, I was actually in there taking pictures on my iPhone believe it or not of an air to air so it's like this plane flies next to another plane to get pictures of the other plane for the various publications and. I, I was I thought I wasn't gonna be able to really make it through because like I'm just looking through this door and like the lake below us like geez this is this is a lot but when I started looking through my phone camera and taking pictures for whatever reason that like just like it, it like put a layer between me and it and it calmed me down and I ended up being good that way but it was uh it, there's been some crazy uh crazy times at writing about the old airplanes I'll tell you that wow that sounds really cool that sounds like the when you climb to the top of the CN Tower in Toronto and they have like the glass. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That would that would mess me up. Yeah, I I don't I don't I don't do that. Uh, I don't <laughs> yeah, I, I don't so care I how safe. Yeah, like I don't care how safe it is. I'm I'm. It freaks me out. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, like the one on the Grand Canyon is wild too. Oh, I didn't know they had one there. I was just at they, the they Grand Canyon. They have one on the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I was just there in December. I was gonna say like I understand the total the the plane tilting thing because I was on the flight to Vegas in December and um, I swear like. Anytime anything remotely interesting was out the window, my brother's like nudging me and pointing me. And anytime he would do it, uh, the plane was turning. I swear, every time dipping to the right or whatever. <laughs> and um, and I hadn't pl- been on a plane in a while. And just that I'm usually fine otherwise, and I don't even mind the uh, turbulence too much. But um, yeah, the dipping and turning thing always like gets me a little bit. So yeah, 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 yeah for sure. The turbulence you can get used to. You kind of just go up and down a little. But the the dipping, you just it's just the the sight of it. I think just like you're looking straight down. It's like if if a billion things went wrong, I would be falling there right now, and it would be over. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of those people. I'd probably die before we hit the ground. Like I'd probably just have a heart attack and die. Um, that's. I mean, it could be argued that's for the best. But I I should say aviation very safe. Surprisingly, it's, very it's a very safe thing. Very safest, safe. Safest way to travel, right? Still the safest yeah. way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Good to know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have any writing quirks? Like, I just, uh, I always like to ask people this just because, like, sometimes there's really interesting things that people are like, I didn't realize I do this, but I do this every time I write because, like, I swear every writer has, like, different things that helps them write or, like, what they do while they're writing. Yeah, my process is a little weird, I think, so... I have to kind of get in the zone first. Like I'll make myself some tea or something, put some music on. I, I usually have music on when I write, but especially when I'm getting ready to write. Ooh. And, 
you know, I really like where I work now because they, they really like their respect and like give me the space to do that. Cause like, it'll look like sometimes you come over and I'm like, just kind of like listening to a song or whatever. And it could look like I'm just being lazy, but that's like, actually what I'm about to write, like I kind of have to like get in the right mindset for it. I feel like, and get kind of focused and then I can really like dive in. Like, you know, the phone goes on silent, the Apple watch comes off, music goes on. And then like, I really like to like dig into it and I write a lot at a time. So like I'll get re- I'll get in the zone and I'll I'll put down you know however, however long it has to be really and then from there I'll, I'll take a break for a second step away do something else for a minute and then I'll come back and look through it and kind of like put the puzzle pieces together so it's kind of like a two to three stage thing of like the first stage just like get ready and then just spew it all out there and then just sort of clean it up once or twice and that's sort of the way I, I write most of my things. Nice. That's a very like. You have a actual like step-by-step process. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it's part of it comes from like uh, when I was with fan, I was uh, a fan-sided editor for so long. Like, you got to write daily, and I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I had I had classes, and I was my internship for EAA was going on. And I'm I'm their staff writer now. I've always written a lot there. So like, I, I just like I've I've never really been in a place where I can afford like have writer's block for like a week or whatever. Like, yeah. my worlds would crash. So I kind of had to learn a thing and. And that's the nice thing. I always tell people, always, you know, oh, like you're you're a good writer. That's why you why, why you do writing. And I'm like, well, thank you. But like, I didn't just wake up one day a good writer. Like yeah. I've written thousands of articles, and that's why. Like, I, I'd like it, it's like so. Practice is the most important thing. Like, just go do it. Is what I tell people whenever. And I, it's not like people ask me for advice all the time, but it, from time to time it does happen. And that's always my thing. I like, just go write, even if you don't publish it. It doesn't matter. Just write. Keep writing. Like, you can't get better if you don't write. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, um, I've been asked that a couple times too. Um, even it works with anything. Like, even if it's like fiction and stuff, which I write poetry too. It's one of those things. Like, you just gotta keep writing. You gotta write, um, no matter what. Even if it sucks. Like, you, the be- the best thing about writing something is like, um, the first version of whatever it is is not something you have to show anybody. Um, it can just be for you and then, you know, you can scrap it entirely. You can write something new or you can end up fixing it and it can turn into something great. Um, and it might be great the first time you do it, but it might not. It usually isn't. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, um, it's one of those things. You just, you just keep doing it and the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, and reading too. Reading is super important. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's easier than, or it's better. It's better than almost any other way, like teaching people to write is i feel like is almost as simple as saying you know go read a lot and then go write a lot yeah no that's that's exactly what it is go go rip somebody off until you can figure out your voice i wrote i don't even know how many fake ass zach low columns when i first started writing (laughs) i would try to do it exactly like he did and Uh, i mean no one can do it like he does it that's why he is who he is but and now i have my own voice it's a lot different than that but it's still like it's i mean I, i'm not ashamed to say it like that was the the person who i looked up to the most in terms of basketball writing and it's i wanted to like sort of learn like how to how to do that and it's i think that's just inherent like when you start doing anything i feel like you kind of just like take from whoever you kind of learn from whether it's like a sport or anything else and then you kind of figure it out as you go i think that's just the process so i think you know just don't be afraid so much to put yourself out there and if you are then just write for yourself for a little while and, and get better but you can't just sit around going oh I'm, oh I'm gonna start writing someday like you're just you're missing a chance every single day yeah for me it was simmons Bill oh simmons. yeah yeah I, I know he's super divisive <clears throat> among fans now and stuff and whatever but yeah, that dude that dude can write 
um, it, what he's saying you might not agree with, but he can write. Like I, but I, I, and I remember like starting like I, I did did not have anywhere near the similar like pop culture lexicon that's in his brain. Um, that he just makes references to literally everything in his articles. Like everything is connected to a movie from like the nineteen eighties or seventies. Um, but I remember like that's kind of how I started because I read the book of basketball and things like that. Oh yeah. And oh, I was yeah. just like, this is it, man. This is <laughs> this is basketball writing. I want to do this. And yeah. uh, eventually Every, everything is boogie nights. That's the that's the secret. <laughs> yeah. Everything revolves around Mark Wahlberg. That's that's, that's really the answer. <laughs> Everyone from Boston is very important. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um Thanks for so much for coming on, Ty. Uh, I really appreciate it. Do you have anything to uh, to plug before I let you go? Uh, yeah. I mean, first, thank you for having me. Uh, second, you guys can, and, and, and guys and girls, men and women, can check me out on uh, Twitter at Ty Windish. It's spelled weird, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. And also my podcast is my, my baby, Time Out With Ty. Uh, you can subscribe to that anywhere you find podcasts. I'm, I'm, I would be willing to bet wherever you find this podcast, it's probably there as well. Um, it's, it's all around, you know, Google it, search it up in your podcast thing, subscribe, rate, review. I always appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, my writing and stuff at the step back and other places, all, all of it goes through my Twitter. So honestly, if you can find the Twitter, you can probably find everything else. Yeah. If you're not listening to time, it would tie. I don't know what to tell you because it's one of the best <laughs> fan podcasts around, um, and getting bigger every day that recently had a episode with Howard Beck. Yeah, that and, was fun. Uh, Howard's cool, man. Howard is really cool. I I really enjoyed that one. He gave me official permission to use "What Up" back, so that was that was a good episode. <laughs> it was. I enjoyed it a lot. It was really cool. I really like listening to Beck and uh, having him on your podcast was really neat because um, you know I'm kind of like living vicariously through you. Um, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I met Howard Beck in a way just because he was on your podcast. Hey, maybe um, you can get him on here to talk about his next big feature. Oh, maybe, maybe. Um, I feel like I'm working my way up to that slowly, uh, but uh, yeah. but we'll see. Um, but uh, having you on is definitely, uh, definitely, you know, it's no no slouch. Clearly, um, that you, you, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all going great for you, and uh, I'm really excited about that and everything you've been doing. So yeah, everybody, uh, go follow Ty on social media and you know listen to his podcast and uh, read his work and stuff. Uh, if you do want to listen to this podcast and the other episodes that I have done, um, it's called the Writer's Write Podcast, and you can find it on bumpers.fm or the Bumpers app if you have it. And you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Writer's Write Pod, where I'll put links to the episodes and links to the articles that my guests have written, and you can check them out there. And until then, you can follow me at Howvolution, H-O-W-E-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N on Twitter. And you can find my own line work at Raptors Republic. A little quieter right now. Raptors still looking for head coach. So, you know, I haven't put a lot of stuff out there recently, but I did put out an article about DeRozan's season, and you can go read that right now. It's up. It was out uh, this past week, and talking about him as a tragic hero. Um, so you can go read that. And then I occasionally post at uh, B-Ball Breakdown, and uh, I'm a film critic at Scene Creek. So keep an eye out for that, because I will be doing uh, more film content as the NBA season sort of winds down. So... That, uh, that'll be really great. And, uh, you know, the, thank you for listening and, uh, rock on, keep, uh, keep listening to the podcast and have a great day. Thank you again for listening. Keep it real folks.